Okay, great. Wow. What a brilliant production. And as Phil just said, it's a little bit difficult to know what to say or to do to, uh, to follow that. So we'll keep it short and sweet and then we can invite the children back and congratulate them on a brilliant production. And thank you to everyone who's been so involved with that, including you parents who've had that CD on loop in your car for the last five or six weeks. I can see a few people break out into a cold sweat as I mention that. So thank you for your sacrifice. It doesn't go uh, disregarded. We really appreciate it. And it's wonderful to see the children enjoying themselves so much after what has been a pretty tough couple of years for them. Uh, I think this is probably one of the only years where all four of my children were in that production. So they go 10, 8, 4 and 3. And, uh, and, and it's really great to see them enjoying themselves. And it's fair to say that even in the short time that I've been a parent, the sort of what it means to be a parent has become a lot more complicated. Uh, things are a lot more sort of, there's so many things to do now. Um, when my 10-year-old was little, there was basically like two rules for parenting that you had to follow. Uh, the first was fairly straightforward. Uh, you've got to go to school. And, uh, and that was, you know, you've got to go to school. And the second one was pretty clear. Um, don't stick anything up your nose. Those, uh, those were the two rules of parenting. And, and the world has changed because suddenly it was like, well, sorry, kids, for three months you're at home with us. And while you're here, just hold still. And, and on an almost daily basis, we're going to attempt to give you another test. Today we're celebrating Christmas and Christmas brings up all sorts of thoughts with people when you even say the word and uh, when I think of Christmas I, I automatically break into a bit of a cold sweat and that is because of one thing, uh, shopping. And, uh, and when I talk about shopping, I don't mean present shopping because I, I quite enjoy that, which um, I'm sure my wife will laugh at based on which one of us does, does the most of it. But uh, I quite enjoy uh, shopping for presents. But what I don't like is supermarkets over the Christmas period, that one where people's eyes just glaze over and uh, everyone is in this like bonkers panic mode uh, at Christmas. Do you know what I'm talking about in a supermarket? And, and you've only just popped in for like a couple of essentials, you know, like beer and crisps or something like that. Things you need to, to keep you going during lockdown, some essentials. And you walk in and you see it's just complete bedlam at the, at the, uh, the checkouts and everything. You think to yourself, I know what, I'll save myself a bit of time. I'm going to go and use one of those self-service tills. That will make everything a little bit easier. Famous last words. As you scan through uh, your beers, obviously you need to be over 18. So it starts flashing red. It starts flashing red above you and then it starts barking instructions. Approval needed, approval needed. And it's like, steady on. Like, I know I'm a bit insecure, but you don't have to tell the whole supermarket that I, uh, I need approval. And, uh, and then the lady comes over and she's got that magic security key. And she runs over and she's got it. This big I've got to get myself one of those keys. I reckon that opens all sorts of doors. So she gets this magic security key and she comes across and just to break the ice, she make a joke about whether she's going to ID you or not. And she just scowls and looks at the floor. 
And then you're free and you can carry on scanning your essentials. In my case, that's normally the crisps. And so you, uh, you scan those through and then suddenly there's another light. And this time it's not red, it's orange. And it's flashing up and then it starts shouting at you, unexpected item in the bagging area, unexpected item in the bagging area. And the woman comes back and this time without the smile on her face, she's down on you like a ton of bricks and she's going through the bag. And and suddenly your entire checkout is this like FBI crime scene as they're trying to work out what you've done. And everyone else, like no one else is listening to what's going on. They just all start scanning very slowly. And you can hear a pin drop as everyone else tunes in to the situation. And then it turns out that the unexpected item in the bagging area was actually your bag. And uh, I'm not entirely sure in this world or in the world to come whether there is anything less unexpected in your bagging area than the bag that you put there at the beginning but anyway you quickly pay you've gone a bit pink bit hot under the collar you pay and you shuffle out you think to yourself never again until the next day when you need to pop in on your way home from work just get a bit of bread and milk and uh, you see these horrible cues at the checkout you think oh I know I'll save a bit of time and uh, and the whole cycle goes again that's what I think of when I think of the crazy Christmas season. But I think you'll agree it's time to move on. And what we're going to do is we're going to read from the Bible together and we're going to open it at the point that the children have acted out today and make a number of observations as an encouragement to us. So we're in Luke in chapter 2 and from verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The writer of this passage is wanting to make especially sure that his readers feel confident in the history of what is being described. You get the name of the Roman ruler, the time it was, the fact that a census was happening, Joseph and Mary and where they're from, who, where and when. In 30 years' time, if you so chose to, you could come back to Shrewsbury and you could ask, does anyone remember a Dave who used to live up in Baston Hill and he, uh, and he spoke at a children's family service at a church called Barnabas? Does anybody remember that? And, and after speaking to people across the town, you would eventually, I'm sure, work out that it was me. Now, it's a bit easier now with uh, hopefully the YouTube video of this talk and the social media stuff. The evidence trail that we have now. But in those days, this was their evidence trail. Within the time this book was written, 
You could still go and find the places in question and speak to people who knew those who were being described. You could go to Nazareth. Does anybody know a Joseph and a Mary? Yes, yes, we do. You could go to Bethlehem. You could ask the families who'd been keeping sheep in the fields for many years. You know, did your dad ever tell you this story about this crazy night? Yes, we remember it well. Are you talking about the child? So this is a deliberate attempt to record something that actually happened. A historical account. And this second point is really obvious, but this historical account, it centers around a family. It's been so brilliant to see all of the kids up front today doing their thing, and we're reminded so much of the great blessing of family. And not just those with their own children, but the great blessing of being part of a wider, big church family that we can enjoy this together. But when you see the little ones on the stage, especially the really little ones, it's, it's a bit of a reminder of how sort of small and vulnerable they are. The care that they need, and, and I say that as the dad of two particularly distracted sheep during one of the songs this morning. You're just so, it's just so obvious how much you know, attention and care that these small children need. Yet this family doesn't even center around toddlers at this stage. It centers around a newborn baby. So this isn't like, you know, a best-selling novel about a mighty king who was this great military ruler. This is a historical account of the birth of a child. And it's difficult to imagine or to think of a more um, vulnerable situation. Away from home, not even a proper bed. It's about as far away from glory as you can possibly Imagine, if, if a saviour king was to be born, if you were going to write the story, if you, if you were going to imagine something, you wouldn't expect him to be born in, in a distant town, in a, in a far-flung part of the known world, in a, in a really confused family situation, in a very unconventional living arrangement and sleeping in an animal feeding tray. That's, that's not... What you would, that, that's not what you would make up. Surely someone's made some sort of a mistake. But all these things are written down in brutal honesty and openness of the frailty of the situation and recorded for future generations because that is what actually happened. No one's trying to make up a good story here. They're actually explaining what happens. So we've got historical events that center around a family, but most importantly, they center around a child and the birth of a child. God himself coming as a child. Let's just take a pause and, and reflect on that. What, what would we know of God with all of his power, all of his glory, and then allowing himself to be completely and absolutely vulnerable. Allowing himself to feel cold. Allowing himself to feel hunger. Now, 
many of us have seen the TV shows that you get, uh, like The Secret Millionaire, where the person who is a millionaire goes and hangs out with and lives with people who live a more normal life. Or The Secret Boss, where the person who's the head of an organization goes and works on the shop floor or in the factory in order to understand what their employees have to experience. Well, imagine that times by infinity. And that's what we have going on here. The God of heaven, a helpless child. And this news starts to spread. People start to find out who. Who finds out? Does it go to the religious people? Does it go to the royal family? Does it go to the wealthy and the powerful and the important? No. As we've seen acted out so wonderfully this morning. It went, first of all, to a bunch of shepherds. And that's where we're going to pick up the account in Luke. And we're starting with verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So these shepherds are completely and totally blown away by what they've seen and what they've heard. I love the way the angel says, do not be afraid. Can you imagine that? Just normal, normal working blokes. They're at work one day and then suddenly out of nowhere, there's this massive angel stood there and then suddenly the sky is full of angels singing. Like you can't blame them for being a little bit freaked out. They're just minding their own business. They're plugging away at life. They're trying to earn money for their family. They're not doing anyone any harm. And then this spiritual stuff just explodes all around them and changes everything. And the angels tell them this child is the savior. He's the one that the people have been waiting for, the Messiah. And so they go and they visit him straight away. And when they see him with their own eyes, not just what other people have said, but when they recognize him with their own eyes, they too worship him. There's something about this child that brings people to worship. They're so profoundly affected by what they've seen, by the impact on them, that they tell people and the news spreads like wildfire. So these normal working lads in the fields are the first people, the first witnesses of what's happened. And this is another thing that's just so incredible about the coming of Jesus. He comes in such a humble way and he encounters completely normal, humble people. 
people like you or me, not the celebrities, not the powerful, not the wealthy, not the religious, not the royal family. He, the king has come, but he's come for people like you and people like me. And their response is pretty straightforward. We don't know the whole story. We don't know how this is all going to pan out. But we recognize that something amazing is happening here. And so we're going to go and seek him out. And we're going to find out more. There is so much more that we could tell you about this child. About his life, his death and his resurrection. The extraordinary claims keep on coming. This is just the start. Not only is there the claim that this child is God's son, but he, he then claims that he's able to forgive people of their sin, of their guilt, of their mistakes. He was very publicly executed and then he was buried, but days later, Hundreds of people start reporting that they've seen him alive again. Then, then over the course of the next months and years, thousands of people start to claim that they've, they've experienced his power in their life. And, and churches, that is like gatherings of people who follow him, spring up all over the known world. And you fast forward 2,000 years. One baby who was far from home, without even a proper bed, has had an astonishing impact on countless millions of people, of lives changed when people do exactly what the shepherds did. They heard about him, so they went and they found out more. If you're interested in finding out more about Jesus, about who he is, then we'd love to invite you to come on one of our Alpha courses in the new year. If you're interested in coming on that, you can sign up at the information desk as you leave. You'd be so welcome to come and to join us and to discover more of who this child is. But maybe you are someone who's had the privilege of discovering who this child is. And so my encouragement this Christmas time as we consider these events is to not allow our Christmas to get clogged up with, with all of the, the busyness of it and presents and COVID and all the drama. There's, there's so much stuff going on at the moment. Just think this time last year, we were all stuck at home. We weren't allowed to meet. So much fear. And, and things are looking a bit dicey again at the moment. You only have to watch or read the news. But here we are the people of God, with faith, hope, and security. And can I encourage you, does the world around us at the moment not need a bit of faith, a bit of hope, and a bit of security? That is what we carry as those who have encountered the Lord Jesus. So let's celebrate this Christmas in worship, in prayer, in kindness to those around us. And we really hope we'll see you next week for one of the carol services. But for now, I'm going to conclude by wishing you a very happy Christmas and a wonderful new year. Thank you.